One thing I'd just like to say um, before we go into this, uh, I just hope and pray that uh, what God has laid on my heart to share uh, can really uh, edify you and build you up and, and really be useful. Uh, I just want to clarify one thing. I know that I've heard a couple questions, you know, did, did someone kind of tell him what he should speak on or kind of make a request and what? Um, so I just want to be clear that um, Mr. Schrock, <laughs> uh, names just evade me every time. Um, sorry, Dwight, I was going Daryl, Dave. Uh, yeah, you know, Dwight and I, we didn't scheme or collaborate. So, you know, if this has been useful, if it's been relevant to you, just think, just say, yes, Lord. Um, so, um, I, 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 again, uh, just, let's just let the Lord, let the Lord lead. So I just pray that it would, it is a blessing to you. I know it's been in my life. These are just really lessons from my own life, uh, and my own journey. For those of you that have not been here, um, until today, our theme of messages uh, is overcoming harmful attitudes and emotions. Unfortunately, um, as broken people, um, emotional people, um, we sometimes sin and hurt uh, through our attitudes and our emotions. My uncle... Um, him and his wife couldn't have uh, biological children, and they adopted, and, and uh, that journey was um, a, a, a unique journey for them, and of course, challenging at times. And, but one of the things that my uncle said to me, um, you know, kind of years later, in more recent years, uh, he said, the reality is, is that our emotions are the playing field of life. That's kind of how he put it. Uh, we just can't get away from them. <laughs> they're, they're a real part of who we are. And we, they don't, we don't want them to, to control us, but they are a useful part of who God created us to be. They're indicators of what's going on and how we can be alert to how we respond to life and what God wants to do in our hearts and in our lives. <clears throat> so today our uh, focus will be on overcoming misplaced anger. And the reason I say it that way is because uh, we'll, we'll see today that anger is not intrinsically wrong. Uh, anger is a feeling, and it's an indicator. And so the problem is, is when it's misplaced and when it's directed in the wrong way and it, we express ourselves sinfully in anger. <clears throat> um, and so we want to look at the problem of misplaced anger. <clears throat> and we'll be, as a text, we'll be looking in Ephesians again. We'll be back into Ephesians chapter 4. Um, and so we'll be looking at verses 17 through uh, chapter 5, verse 2. Just like to kind of probe our, our thinking here for, for a bit. Um, we're going to learn that there's different types of ways of expressing anger. And we all express anger in different ways. We all uh, have different ideas about anger, <clears throat> but how many of you, um, you know, kind of are sitting here today and, and this issue of anger maybe makes you a little bit nervous because you know that it is a little bit of a problem for you, and maybe many people don't know, but maybe you know that at certain times and certain situations your anger is triggered and you respond in ways that are not good, but you're managing to keep it under wraps because you don't want uh, the community of faith to know that this is a problem in your life. Um, I know that in my life, anger snuck up in a way I didn't expect. And it's been helpful for me to stand before my church <laughs> and talk about the ways in which uh, it's a challenge for me. And so I just want us to be able to <clears throat> face this issue knowing that we are children of God. And this is a safe place, and this is a place of repentance, and this is a, a place of, of, where we can struggle, and this is a place where 
we meet God. And so if this is an issue for you today in one way or another, maybe the way you express anger is, uh, is not um, with explosion and, and uh, maybe, maybe the way you respond to anger is, uh, is, is more undercover. And so we'll flesh that out, flesh that out today, but um, I just want us to be able to um, approach this open, with open hearts. <clears throat> um, and then hopefully we can understand um, how anger can actually be useful in the right way in motivating us. For our text, um, I'll be reading, uh, we'll be uh, reading from verse 17 in, in, in Ephesians 4, both a focus on verses 25 through 31. So Ephesians chapter 4, Now this I say, in testifying the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their hearts. They have become callous and given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But this is not the way you learned Christ. I just love that phrase every time I read this. This is not the way you learned Christ. One way we could read this is that um, we could say, well, you must no longer walk as the world walks. Don't walk as, uh, as unbelievers do and, and the people around you. Um, they've given themselves up um, to ignorance, their, their hearts are becoming hard because they're not surrendered, they're not under the lordship of Jesus. And so when you see this happening around you, don't, don't cave to, to that. But because this is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only as such, a, such as good for the building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. <clears throat> like to, just before we go through our points here, take a, time, a moment here to, to focus a bit on verses 25 through 31. 25 addresses, verse 25 addresses our actions and our speech because both affect others. Both our actions and our speech affect other people. It says, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, 
for we are members one of another. Verse 26, misplaced anger seems to be the central issue here that the text is addressing based on the fact that this particular section of teaching is summarized in verse 31. So and he says uh, we should put away falsehood, we should address how we speak uh, to each other because we're members of one another, and then verse 26, be angry and do not sin. And then in verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. And so the issue of how we relate to each other seems to be centralized around this idea of anger or bitterness or slander. And so um, in the various ways in which we express anger, He's saying, don't do it. Don't sin toward one another in an expression of anger. Verse 25 tells us to put away falsehood. Misplaced anger always, almost always derails from the truth. When we become angry, and whatever that trigger is in our life <clears throat> that is causing us to feel angry, just like we had talked about last night, fear, when, we, when, we, when fear controls us and we give way to fear, uh, we lose objectivity. We become subjective. The issue before us is all that we're focused on. It becomes magnified. It becomes distorted. It becomes a bigger issue than it actually is. And anger is like that as well. And anger attacks. Um, anger uh, attacks the issue. And, uh, but it, it, it derails from the truth. And so he's saying, put away falsehood and speak truth to your neighbor. And don't sin in your anger. <clears throat> because anger uh, does not represent truth. <clears throat> and we'll, we'll work that out today as we go through this. Verses 28 through 29 addresses... Uh, examples of actions and speech that are expressed out of misplaced anger and that are expressions of falsehood. In verse 28, let the thief no longer steal, but let him work doing honest uh, things with his hands. So falsehood, don't, don't be, enter into falsehood in the, in the falsehood of stealing, taking what is not yours. But let him do honest work, uh, that he may have something to share with everyone. And so, uh, again, this, this first command that, that we have in verse 25, put away falsehood. Here's an example in which uh, you should put that away. Don't, don't exploit people. Don't steal. Um, don't gain through dishonest means. Um, but work honestly, earn honestly, so that you can also then bless others. Let, and then verse 29 let, addresses the speech. So we just, this was an action, an example of the way our actions can be false. And then in verse 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. Don't speak with corrupting talk, talk that is, again, false and misrepresentative and, and harmful, but only such as good for the building up as it fits the occasion, which indicates you don't always have to open your mouth. You don't always have to have something to say, only as it fits the occasion. That it may give grace to those who hear. And so that's the principle in which we're operating on today. Anger distorts the truth. It corrupts. It harms. And it leads us to do things and say things that uh, tear people down and misrepresent the situation. And so instead, we should put that away and be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as Christ forgave you. So what is anger? Well, a di dictionary definition would say that it's a strong feeling of annoyance, displeasure, or hostility. 
In, our, uh, in a moment, we'll look at some uh, definitions that are given from these words in the, in, in the text, some strong, strongs uh, definitions from the words. But that's a, de- a def- dictionary definition. Anger is a secondary feeling that is not the real problem. It's a warning of a deeper primary issue. So just like we talked about fear last evening, uh, fear is that indicator light on your dash that something is wrong. Anger is a feeling that is also like that. And uh, it's indicating that there's something going on. And, and, and again, we're going to learn that the way to, to figure that out is to pause and say, whoa, something's going on. The tendency when are the, in, in anger is when that dash, that light goes on on our dash, is to pull over, go in the trunk, get a hammer, and go smash the indicator light, thinking if we can just get that thing to go out, we'll be good. And we didn't address what was really going on under the hood, right? That's what the, I, I used to be a, a service tech for commercial laundry equipment. I got that time and time again. There would be a problem with the dryer and a safety limit switch or something would go out. And then they'd say to me, well, can you just bypass it? Yeah, if you want to fire. So um, we always like to do the workarounds. <clears throat> Anger is a symptom. It's a feeling that reveals uh, something deeper and we need to get to the bottom of that. Um, so maybe I did omit the slide um, going over some of the meaning of these words. Um, but the idea is to, is, is in some of the, the words, anger is indignation, is, is another dis- description of anger. And actually indignation can be a good thing. Again, um, be angry and do not sin, right? Um, but what does that mean? How does that translate? Well, we first got to understand what about the situation is making me feel indignant. And how does God want me then to interact with that situation out of love and not out of wrath? Right? So that's the question. Um, some of uh, the, these words uh, around anger in the text refer to this idea of breathing hard. <laughs> you know, my, my blood pressure's up. This has really got me going. Like, right? Um, And so I think we know what anger is. All right, so then we're going to look at three ways that we tend to express anger. First one is spewers. Anger is necessary. It's expressed outwardly with hurtful words and actions. A person that is angry and believes that uh, anger is necessary is just going to say, well, that's just the way I feel. Like, you know, why hide what I'm feeling, right? Um, it's just the way it is. At least they know I'm serious now. Uh, expressing anger, anger in this way, a spewer, uh, believes that uh, expressing anger in this way will help address the situation, will help correct the problem, um, will bring justice to the situation, uh, will let people know just how serious the situation is. Uh, we, you know, you got me mad, the situation is out of control, and we're going to get this thing back in control. And we're going to let everyone know just how serious this is. Because you're not taking it seriously enough. This thing's about to go out of control. Kind of that idea, right? That attitude. Um, let me just say this. My first, the first indication that I had a problem with anger was when I was a teenager, and I have a younger brother, and um, we're almost three years apart, and as the older brother, I uh, always felt that I had some kind of level of authority and, and uh, influence, and so um, if I had, you know, if I, I thought that I needed to reinforce the rules and reinforce his responsibilities, and uh, he should be able to just receive that. And um, so what I realized is that when he wouldn't do what was his responsibilities to do around home, um, it made me upset. 
and I thought he was uh, irresponsible, disobedient, lazy. And so I would uh, say, uh, hey, just gonna let you know, you know that this is what we should be doing. You know, dad's gonna be home next amount of time. It's got, it's got to be done. Well, that didn't seem to motivate him. You gotta be kidding. I just told you the truth. You're not motivated by truth. All right. So I'm going to have to notch the, you know, boost this up a little bit. Here, get off the couch. You need to go do, you know, right? So I, and you get started getting physical. And what I realized is that the more he defied me, the more angry I got because I was not having influence on his life. And so I had to push this to the point that my influence actually resulted in action. And it became uh, a toxic situation. But the more he wouldn't respond, the more angry I became, and the more uh, I spewed. Another way we respond to anger is uh, there's stuffers. And the reason they stuff their anger is because actually they feel like anger is wrong. Like, I've, you know, maybe you've said, I've always been taught anger is wrong. Or, I had an abusive father, and I am not going to be that way. I am not going to show anger the way my dad did. That is just hurtful and wrong. And so they stuff. And this is often expressed in depression and hopelessness. Stuffers don't have a way to channel this anger. They haven't figured out a wholesome and healthy way to respond to it that's wrong, so I've got to stuff it. But now the issue is not being resolved internally. They'll often attack themselves and conclude that there must be something wrong with how they're engaging the situation. And ultimately, when it becomes uh, insurmountable, they become depressed. And I actually have uh, experienced that too. And we, some of us have tendencies more as spewers and more as stuffers, but we all can do this in different ways. So as a pastor, I better not be a spewer. And so I stuff things sometimes. And as I process this, I recognize that sometimes my, my places of depression um, and discouragement are connected to misplaced anger. I'm so upset about the situation. I don't understand why these people think the way they do or do what they do. I've been clear in our teaching around here. We have a culture in our church of the way we should think and function and work, and yet they're just doing their own thing. And if I speak into it, I'm going to be accused of being a legalist. And well, So what do, I, what do I do? I stuff it. And I don't find a redemptive, wholesome, loving way to work through this. And then you become depressed. It's not healthy. And then there's leakers. Well, they're just saying that showing anger is wrong. All right, so I'm not going to show it, but I'm angry and something's got to happen. But I'm not sure what. I, mean, I can't show it. And so this is often expressed in sarcasm. That's how it leaks. Sarcasm or manipulation. If it wouldn't be a bad testimony, I'd give him a piece of my mind, just letting you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, everything's going to work out. Oh, it's fine. <laughs> just don't let it happen again. <laughs> Don't want to step on my toes again. Um, different ways of expressing sarcasm. Um, but it leaks. And all of a sudden, you're like, whoa, like, oh, whoa, ouch. He had a smile on his face, but that kind of hurt. <laughs> like, oh, wait, I, oh, is he okay? Like, you kind of, you ever been around someone that might be a leaker? <laughs> it's like, well, he's kind of courteous, but, ooh, spicy. Well, he had to find a way, he or she had to find a way. To, uh, to express what's going on internally. So, 
You thought, oh, I don't, I'm not a spewer. I don't got a problem with anger. Well, have, can you put yourself in one of these categories maybe? Sometime or another? So these are just three helpful ways to think about the way we express anger. And then there's, uh, we want to look at uh, the root causes behind anger. And we're just going to sum it up into three, kind of three categories. There's lots of uh, issues behind anger, things that trigger our anger. We're just going to kind of sum it up into three categories and give a few examples in each category, but then you can take that from there and continue to build on that to think about those different things. But this is just to give you a, some, uh, a framework um, to, to work through. So the first uh, root cause that we can identify behind anger is unmet needs. And unmet needs, <clears throat> real or perceived, often uh, result in a hurt. And so we already talked about hurts this evening. And this is maybe helpful then to bring some of these pieces together and think of term, in terms of hurt as unmet needs. Um, so what, what could that mean? Um, so actually, we're not going to, yeah, I'm just going to go through and give the three of them here initially, then we'll go through them individually. So hurts, uh, real or perceived, unmet needs, uh, unmet expectations. We all have expectations, and those unmet expectations create frustration, and, um, and, and that can be at the root of my anger. An attack on my, on my person or my worth, um, insecurity, it creates an insecurity. And often, again, um, that can, uh, that's where we often can express fear as well, uh, because fear is an issue of safety. I don't feel safe, I feel insecure, <clears throat> and that can result in anger. It's easier to uh, be angry than to deal with the real issues below the surface. And, uh, and so I think it's helpful uh, for us to identify some of those root causes and think, well, what, what need is not being met? Why is this affecting me so deeply? Uh, what perceived uh, or what's, what unmet expectations am I experiencing? Or how do I feel uh, devalued or, or my person being attacked? <clears throat> You know, I, I don't know if any of you, I don't want to step on any toes, I don't know if any of you uh, kind of hold on to conspiracy theories or not, but conspiracy theorists um, are probably looking for a way to channel their anger. When there are injustices in the world and when truth is not spoken and, and we see things that are just wrong, we want to do something about it. And that's a good thing. That's a God-given desire to see the wrongs in this world made right. We, we're, we're yearning for redemption. And we're longing for that which is right and complete and just. But we just don't experience it quite fully yet this side of heaven, do we? And it's a good desire uh, that we have to see the wrongs made right. And oftentimes that's what we're motivated. Why we turn to anger? Because we've got to make the situation right. It's just, we just can't see this continue to go the way it is. And so, um, but because we don't address what the real issue is, what is this that's motivating me? What is the real issue going on here? Uh, we, have, we want to regain control of the situation. Uh, we want to find safety. Um, and in, in some cases, if, if our, we feel that our worth is being attacked, we want to regain recognition. And so we come up with ideas of what is going wrong. And so when we have conspiracy theorists out there trying to explain, hey, this is the real truth about the situation. And you're thinking, man, where are they coming from? Like, that's way off left field. How is that possible? It's because it's in their effort, in their desire to find the right, the truth about the situation. Um, they take the resources they have within their means out of their anger to develop a truth. 
And they don't always have all the information. And remember, we established in Ephesians 4 that in our anger, anger distorts the truth. And so we gather all this information that's true or not true within our means, within our knowledge, and we form a solution to correct this wrong in our life. I'm just using that as an example. But this can happen in our lives on, 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 on personal levels and in many different ways. For the sake of time, I'm not going to read from Psalm 73, but if you're taking notes, I encourage you to write that down. Psalm 73. And then write down verses 16 and 17. And verses 23 through 26. I found so much encouragement in this psalm and how it addresses this issue. So let's look at these three roots more closely hurt unmet needs real or perceived an unmet need is a need could be a need for affirmation dad didn't notice or didn't compliment me when i hit that home run right and so you hit that home run the game's over and you see dad he was there, he saw you hit it, but he didn't even compliment you. It's like, hey, uh, what time are you getting up for work tomorrow morning? <sighs> oh, again. Always does this. He's always just talking about what needs to get done. And we're hurt. We're hurt. He didn't notice. He didn't, why couldn't he just, before we talk about what needs to get done, why couldn't have he just said, good job on the home run? Well done, son. You, you might in some way spew, you might in some way stuff, or you might in some way leak, but one way or another, I hurt and I'm mad. Happens time and time again. And that wears against your relationship with dad. Where no one notices or recognizes my contributions. I wasn't asked to lead, so they must think I'm a bad leader. I serve here, I serve there, I serve here. Doesn't look like anyone notices. Well, I guess I'm not needed. Forget about that. Watch, watch how I'm going to respond the next time they ask me to do something. I'm not going to be available. That'd be a leaker. I need to be heard. When I told him how my day was, it seemed like it went through one ear and out the other. This would be from a wife. <laughs> You're talking about when your husband comes home, yeah, I was telling about the day and all those difficult challenges I had and how the children didn't cooperate and how I got this phone call and someone just needed a listening ear and I just, my day just didn't go as planned. How do we respond to that? And looks like he didn't notice. It fell unheard. It's a need. To, we have a need to feel heard, and so when we don't feel heard, urgh. No one was there for me when I was grieving. Maybe I need to be comforted. There's just different ways. And when you start to feel angry about a situation, you feel hurt, maybe the question is, what, what need is, being, is unmet in my life? And am I actually right about that? Is it just my perception? You need to pause and ask those questions. The second root cause for anger can be unmet expectations. And I actually think this is a huge one. Um, unmet needs are certainly a real thing. Um, but unmet expectations are, are a big thing, in, especially in interpersonal relationships. Unmet expectations often cause us to feel out of control. The second time in my life that I realized I had a problem with anger was after I became a father. We had our firstborn child, 
And um, she got to the age where uh, I could take care of her, and we had extra pumped milk, and my wife could finally go out and be with her friends for an evening or something and get a break, and I'd be at home watching the baby, and, and then she'd start crying. And so I'd give her the bottle, and I'd work for a little bit, and I'd burp her. Oh, yeah, I got, got burped her, you know, success. And then, however, things went, she just all of a sudden was crying. And so I tried to give more milk. Nope, she didn't want it. Keep crying. Oh, she must have a, a stomach ache. So I hold in this position, in that position. And then I sense she's crying more and more. What do I do? I'm not consoling her. And I try this and that. And all of a sudden, I realize I feel angry. Like I'm, I'm like getting mad. Like I've been showing you my affection. I've been doing everything I know to do, and you're not responding to it. And I'm like, I'm getting freaked out. Why am I getting mad at my precious little newborn? And there was actually a time or two when I laid her on the bed walked away because I was so scared of how angry I was becoming. And I said to myself, what's going on? Why is this innocent little baby triggering this rage within me? This is horrible. God, what's happening? And I stopped thinking, what's going on? What am I feeling? What's happening? What did she do to me? Well, well what she did to me well, she didn't let me meet her needs. And what happened is I feel out of control. Here, this baby that's little and innocent is actually like almost like more powerful than I am because she's telling me that what I'm doing isn't working. And then what I have to offer isn't enough. Oh no! She can't tell me that. I'm her dad. And I should have everything she needs. And I feel out of control. And that triggered rage within me. Because I can't bring a solution to this problem. And especially to my little baby that I love. She's rejecting it. What was she? Well, it felt like it. Did she ultimately, am I still her dad? Yes. Does she ultimately still need me? Yes. But I didn't feel it. It felt rejected. It felt out of control. It felt like everything I brought to the table was illegitimate and rejected. Can any of you relate to that? There you go. I expect my baby to respond to my comfort as their parent. That's what I expected, but it didn't, it didn't work. I expect you to be on time since we agreed to, on the time to meet. Okay, we're going to meet at 5 at the Galaxy Diner, and you pull in, and you know that you only have an hour, because your wife expects you to be home at 6. And so this schedule is important to me. I pull in, I go in, yeah, table for two. They're going to be here just any moment. Five minutes. I get a text. Ah, I'm five minutes out, sorry. Oh, are you kidding me? He's going to be ten minutes late. We only have now 30 minutes because I got ten minutes to get home. Why do we even meet? And you're starting to feel upset. So now he walks into the diner and he sits down, and you don't even want to talk anymore. Because you just feel like he just disrespected the time that you had set. He stole from you the time you had to meet. You were looking forward to the things that you had to share and the, the, or the plans you had to make. And, and now you're mad 
you don't feel very fond of him anymore. You know you don't have a, the same amount of time, and it's going to infringe. It's going to now you have risk. There's risk that you're going to be later than your wife is expecting you to be. And when when you get home, she might chew you out and say, "Where were you?" Does that sound like a real possibility? Yeah. And so now you're like uptight. He can sense it. I expect to live in a dry, warm house and have more than enough food to eat. <laughs> well, why did I say that? Well, because that's what we do expect. But what if God leads you to bring the gospel to an area where you don't have a dry, warm house? Or what if the government makes some decisions <laughs> that make prices go up, and, you couldn't, and, and now you can't justify buying whatever that food item is that you like to enjoy on a regular basis. Whatever, you can make up all kinds of scenarios. But I expect to be able to have this. This should be a part of my life. That's, that's expectations. The truth is, is that when, we, when, we, when our expectations aren't met, we get angry. I expect to, you to respond to my text right away, because I need an answer right away. Oh, man. Why don't they just keep their phone on them? Like, what's the point of texting anyway if we can't co communicate? Well, the issue is, it's not what they're doing with their phone. The issue isn't whether they're diligent at texting. The issue is, you had an expectation. You wanted an answer right away because that answer is contingent on what you do next. You try to call them, they don't answer. Oh, you gotta be kidding. Maybe this is just coming from a high-paced New Yorker, I don't know. But you feel me? Yeah, one guy over here does. Yeah, but that's not their problem. It's my problem because I had an expectation. Now I'm starting to feel angry. Now, what about this one? I expect to have all the freedoms I want since I live in a land of freedom. Mm, yeah, I'm, now am I treading on b bad waters here? No, but I'm serious. We have expectations. And so we expect those expectations to be met. And when they're infringed upon, something's wrong. And i got to do something about it. So we had some angry people storm the White House on January 6th. I'm just saying, this is the expressions of anger, unmet expectations. We feel out of control and we've got to regain control of the situation. I'm not, regardless of what you think about that, I'm just telling you this is how we respond. Three, <clears throat> insecurity, attacks or threats on my person. This, could, this strikes fear. When we feel unsafe, we become fearful. Something's wrong. I feel abandoned. I feel rejected. I'd rather let my wife share her own story. But she had a father that walked out of her life at a young age. And so she has to deal with feelings of rejection. Well, so, I'll just give it one example. <clears throat> when we were dating, we would uh, we'd be talking on the phone. And then when we're done, I'm like, well, I should probably let you go. And, uh, and one time she revealed to me, she said, I don't like when you say that. I, I, why did you say that? Like, I don't like when you say, I, don't, I should let you go. Because you made me think, and I'm thinking, what? <laughs> That's how you end a phone call all the time. I'm being the one that's courteous. I'm the one that initiated. I'm the one that said, well, I should respect your time. I should let you go. But that's not how she heard it. Because she heard rejection. Because that's very deep and real for her. Now, it doesn't, I still say it. But we had to work through that. She had to identify it. Well, what is it? Why don't I like that? Why does that trigger negative feelings in me? 
because I have deep sensitivity to rejection. Criticism is, a, is, is a, a thing that can create anger. Oh, you talk too much. Your work needs improvement. Criticism, constructive criticism can be a good thing. But if it doesn't feel safe, and if, if, if the person doesn't know that you love them, and it's given out of love, uh, it can trigger anger. Accusations, those are bad ones. You don't care about me. <clears throat> you have time for everyone else but me. You kidding me? You should know that I care about you. And you feel that you're getting angry inside. They're rejecting my care. They're telling me I care about everyone else. They should know that I care about them. Look at all the times that I've been there for them and all the ways that I've served them. They're going to tell me I don't care. I only have time for someone else. Why don't they see it? Why can't they see my motives? I don't know why. But we better figure it out before you blow up on them. Misunderstandings. You know, cultural differences, miscommunication, schedule changes. Um, I'm going to just try to keep, I try to keep this as relevant as possible. So, my wife and I, we went to Walmart yesterday up in Iowa City, and we felt at home, like, this is great, like, diversity, you know, people don't look at us with two heads, and I'm just saying, like, because we're from New York, and we're an interracial couple, right? So, we, we felt at home. But guess what? <clears throat> and and sh my wife is fluent in Spanish, and she can get by in French, I can get by in Spanish, um, and uh, so, and I heard someone talking, I said, oh, that's a Nigerian accent. You know, it's all familiar, because it's all around me, right? But I can imagine if one of you would go to Walmart, and you would ask for help, and the person would be like, sorry, no English. kidding me? I'm 20 minutes from home. I'm in a store. And the person that needs to help me says no English. I need help now in my hometown. <laughs> We're not going to do that. But that might be what's rising up within you, right? <laughs> Am I off the wall? I don't know. We're all indifferent. I'm just saying, misunderstandings, not feeling understand, feeling like we can't communicate. The way we view schedule and time, all these things play into it. All right, so how do we get our anger under control? How do we think about anger? We just reviewed anger out of control. We looked at different ways in which we respond to it, some of the root causes. Anger under control is to identify when that light comes on in my dash. I pull over, and rather than trying to bypass the light or smash the light, I need to investigate what's actually going on under the hood, right? Just to take that time to pause. It. And it's okay sometimes to take a time out. Uh, sometimes with our, our, our own children, we, in certain situations, will encourage them Use your words. If you're feeling angry, use your words. And if you need to say, I just need a moment to think about this, I just need a moment to calm down, use your words and say that. Figure out what's going on. Why are you getting angry? Why are you getting upset? Why are you not able to function rationally in this situation? Are there unmet needs or unmet expectations that you can identify as you're doing this evaluation? What do I need? What did I need in that situation? What felt unmet to me? Did I feel unheard? 
What was I expecting that what expectations were not met? Did I feel attacked or unsafe in any way? How can I address the real issue in a Christ-like way that has the highest chance for redemptive results? One of the most valuable things that I've learned in interpersonal relationships and in navigating church life is to ask questions. I feel upset. I feel confused. I don't understand why they said that. Why would they say that? Or why would they do that? I don't get it. How is that contributing to the life of the church? How is that supposed to have anything to do with our focus? I don't get it. Okay, there you go. That's right. You don't get it. And so rather than drawing conclusions about their motives and about something that's untrue about them, we need to become inquisitive. Maybe you can say, um, excuse me, <clears throat> I'm, I'm puzzled. You can learn to say, I'm pu become puzzled. I'm puzzled. What, does it mean? What, is it, what is it that you meant when you said that? Like, for me, it... it this is the way I took it, and, and it really, I really don't know what to do with it, but I'm, I could be wrong. Like, I don't think I have all the information. Can you, can you help me understand what you meant by that? And then they can clarify. And either, there's one, really one of two things will happen. One is they'll confirm most of what you thought, and then you're really getting mad. But then you can keep being inquisitive and say, well, yeah, like, I think I still don't understand. Can you, can you please help me elaborate more? And then at the end, you might have to say, well, you know, I just don't see it that way. And uh, I'll pray about that. And maybe we can talk about that later some more. Because um, I'd like to figure out how we can have a greater understanding. Because I, I just, I just am not able to see it that way. Or the other way it could go is, oh, yeah, that makes sense. I don't know why I didn't think about that. Yeah, I can totally see that point. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't see it that way before. Yeah, thanks for clarifying that. I definitely just misunderstood what, what you were saying. So asking those questions is so important, so critical. <clears throat> and this is how we identify the things, these underlying issues that could trigger this, this anger. So how do we make application? Well, in our text, it says to speak the truth and to put away falsehood. All right, I'll speak the truth. Okay, well, hold, hold on. Remember, anger distorts truth. So how are we going to speak the truth? We're going to speak it in love. And we're going to speak it once we've evaluated any issues that may be triggering my anger. And we're going to speak it uh, once we've asked the questions that need to be spoken, asked. Truth addresses the root causes of hurt, frustration, and insecurity. So once we've assessed the situation and now we can speak truthfully, now we can be life-giving because truth addresses root causes. Frustration, hurt, and insecurity. Truth brings life and freedom. The truth shall set you see. This is an important principle of truth is that it brings freedom. Truth speaks with uh, what is good for building up the body. We see in verse 29 of, of Ephesians 4. I'm sorry, I think I didn't have that there. I got ahead of myself. So those are the points on speaking the truth. And then point two, be kind and tenderhearted, it says in verse 32. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as Christ forgave you. We should have a motivation of kindness and tenderheartedness. And if I find that my response to the situation is not that, then that's reason for pause to evaluate what the, what the, is going on. We should be able to forgive each other. Also in verse 32, my forgiveness of others is necessary for me to experience God's forgiveness, we know in Matthew 6. Unforgiveness distorts truth as well as anger. 
so forgiveness embraces truth. So we want to put away falsehood. We want to put away uh, an anger that sins. And we want to stick to speaking truth, acting truthfully, being kind and tenderhearted, and forgiving one another. Then finally, uh, this Ephesians 5 uh, says 12, but I believe that should just be 1 and 2. I should love like Jesus. Be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us. A fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. I, I, I'm, I don't know, but I'm hoping that by now you're starting to see a theme at, in, in a, when we make application to these areas of hurt and fear and anger. We're coming back to the gospel. We're coming back to Jesus every time. We're coming back to love and forgiveness because it's there. That's where the power is. That's where relationship can happen. That's where redemption happens. And so I hope that you're catching on to that. It's not to be redundant. It's on purpose. That's the answer. We come back. Because, brothers and sisters, what happens is when we have... Uh, our cultures are a very powerful thing. And we have family cultures. We have church cultures. We have community cultures. We have national cultures. We have ethnic cultures. But I'm telling you that they're very powerful things. And what happens within a culture uh, is that what, what is precedence... Uh, is what happens, right? I mean, and so if within uh, a culture it becomes okay to express your anger in hurtful ways and it's okay to say hurtful and harmful things and, and you say, well, I'm just human and um, oh, well, I mean, I don't really beat around the bush. I mean, like, you, you know, what you're, gonna, what you're gonna get is what you're gonna get, you know? And, and, and if that is okay within your sphere of community, then that's what's going to happen. But the question is, do you give precedence to that over the fruit of the Spirit and over the fruit of the gospel that's supposed to be at work in our lives? So the gospel maybe doesn't change your personality, but it, it reforms it. Like it doesn't, you don't get a different personality you get a reborn personality. You, 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 so if you're a one that speaks your mind, you'll continue to speak your mind, but you're going to do it with love, and it's going to be redemptive, and it's not going to be in anger. If you're one that's, that's one more that's more reserved and cautious, you'll continue to be cautious as a reborn child of God, but you're going to do it out of, out of a motivation that's like Jesus, right? So that's what we're trying to get at here today uh, and through these lessons is we want to be a transformed people, and we want to learn how to be who we are and who God created us to be and to express ourselves and to communicate. We want to do it in a transformed way, like Jesus. So know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Be quick to listen. Be slow to speak. And be slow to anger. When we feel those feelings of anger and we know something is amiss, we see the indicator light come on, we pause, we pull over, we evaluate. It's not that that anger, that feeling of anger was wrong. But now that feeling of anger can turn into something powerful. You realize, oh, what's really going on? You can be movers and shakers in the kingdom of God. You can confront the wrongs of this world when you really understand what's going on. What's my real concern? But an anger that controls us, that's misplaced, it doesn't produce the righteousness of God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, <clears throat> we, we don't always do what we want to do. And the things we want to do 
It's like, nope, I didn't do that. And the way we want to respond isn't always the way we respond, and the way we respond is not the way we wanted to. But you want to help us with this, and we don't want to be a people that hurt ourselves and hurt others through anger. But we want to be a people that, that when we sense that feeling, we can say, okay, what's really going on here? And God, how do you want me to act or speak into this situation? How can I be life-giving in this situation? Something must be amiss. What is it? And so I just pray then that we wouldn't be given to a spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind for the building up of the body, for the edification of the body of Christ, and for the advance of the gospel. We commit this to you in Jesus' name. Amen.